0: Welcome back, my fellow creatives. I found something, well, through the internet. um, I noticed there was going to be a book festival here in Wisconsin, and a particular um, author was going to be present for the festival discussing her book that was set in Wisconsin. And I thought, Ooh, that sounds neat. And it, the book came out this year. And lo and behold, there it is in the new release area of my library. So I thought I'd grab it. It is called the family chow. By yeah, flipping sticker here, Lan Samantha Chang. Sorry, the stickers covering a chunk of her name. Um, so here on You've Got Five Pages to Tell Me It's Good, we do a lot of mystery and a lot of, we've done some fantasy, we've done some other things. And at the outset, I thought, oh, this was going to be another family drama. We already had that recently with Ann Tyler's The French Braid. But then I learned in that announcement about the book festival that this book, The Family Chow, is a bit of a murder mystery. And I thought, Ooh, well... If we're going to have a cozy mystery involving family in a small town, okay, let's go for it then. So, (laughs) here we are. Let's find out if Lan Samantha Chang can indeed tell us in five pages that her novel, The Family Chow, is good. Hey, no prologue! Awesome. Okay. (laughs) I'll go with it. Or wait, wait. No. Hey, first two pages are a prologue. They're just not marked. Well, at least it's short. Okay, here we go. For 35 years, everyone supported Leo Chow's restaurant, introducing choosy newcomers by showing off some real Chinese food in Haven, Wisconsin. Bringing children, parents, grandparents, not wanting to dine out with the Americans, not wanting to think about which fork to use. You could say the manifold tensions of life in the new country, the focus on the future, tracking incremental gains and losses, were relieved by the fine chow. Sitting under the dusty red lanterns, gazing at Leo's latest calendar with the limp-haired Taiwanese sylphs that Winnie hated so much. Waiting for supper, everyone, felt calm. In dark times, when you're feeling homesick or defeated, there is really nothing like a good steaming soup and dumplings made from scratch. Winnie and Big Leo Chow were serving scallion pancakes decades before you could find them outside of a home kitchen. Leo, thirty-five years ago, winning his first poker game against the owners of a local poultry farm, exchanged his chips for birds that Winnie transformed into the shining chestnut-coloured duck dishes of far-off cities. Dear Winnie, rolling out her bing the homemade way, two pats of dough together with a seal of oil in between, letting them rise to a steaming bubble in the piping pan. Leo, bargaining for hard-to-get ingredients, Winnie sobbing wax beans for yard-long beans, plus home-growing the garlic greens, chives, and hot peppers you used to never find in Haven. Their garden giving off a glorious smell. You could say the community ate its way through the Chow family's distress. Not caring whether Winnie was happy, whether Big Chow was an honest man, Everyone took in the food on one side of their mouths, and from the other side, they extolled the parents for their son's accomplishments, keeping praise upon the three boys who grew up all bright and ambitious, who earned scholarships to good colleges, commending them for leaving the Midwest. Yet everyone was thankful when the oldest, Daegu Chao, returned to Haven, Daegu coming home to his mother, moving into the apartment over the restaurant, working there six days a week. Daegu the most passionate cook in the family. Despite the trouble between Winnie and Big Chow, everyone assumed the business would be handed down fairly, peacefully, father to son. Now, a year after the shame, the intemperate and scandalous events that began on a winter evening in Union Station, the community defends its 35 year indifference to the Chow family's troubles by saying, no one could have believed that such good food was cooked by a bad person. Okay, I, I, I still don't like prologues very much. But I appreciate how Chang goes about it here. Yes, we have the foreshadowing. But it's not clear it's a murder. I mean, the only reason we know it's a murder is because they blurbed it on the back of the book. Um, but in this prologue, we are only told something bad has happened, the shame. And and that could mean any number of things. And I do hope I, impo- I apologize in advance if I am mispronouncing names. I am always ho- horrible with names as I tell my students. But as one who is born and bred in Wisconsin, um, I could certainly see how a restaurant is a great way for connecting and finding a place in the community. But I can also see how the community would still not really regard you as much outside of the restaurant. Uh, I experienced the same thing as far as... um, being the daughter of a preacher you know if someone came across my dad outside of the church they didn't know what to do with him (laughs) they didn't know how to say anything to him they're all polite midwesterners are are uh, ridiculously polite but there's a difference between polite and welcoming and it sounds like chang understands that difference where the community was very polite and, um, it sounds like there was at least some level of respect, but welcoming, I don't think so. As, as she put it in the end, with the thirty-five year indifference. So just eh. But this prologue also establishes some. It uses a lot of great sensory details, just because, after all, this is a restaurant. So to all. To get our um, the smells and the tastes and the sights, um, even the even some sounds like the what was it, the oil, yeah, steaming bubble in the piping pan. I mean, you can hear that. So there's a lot of great use of detail to show on how we're putting the cooking in the spotlight but Chang is consistently dropping hints of problems outside of the spotlight, which is interesting. So I I think it's an effective prologue. It, It establishes a good amount of context. And yes, it does do some foreshadowing, but not to a broadcasting degree like oh little did we know before he got murdered no no didn't we don't have that okay now we're here at chapter one december 21st and we have a broken down word fa mi li please help young man Through the crowd at Union Station, slipping in and out among the travelers, the frail voice reaches James Chow's inner ear. A first-year college student, James has lost his Mandarin, forgotten the language as a toddler with two older brothers, loving, teaching, and tormenting him exclusively in English. Only from time to time, when he's not expecting it, will a spoken phrase of Mandarin filter to this innermost chamber of his ear and steal into his consciousness. Please help. James turns. He's looking into the face of an old man. The stranger might be in his 70s, close to his father's age, but he's altogether more frail than Big Leo. He clutches an ancient blue traveling bag in one hand, stooping with the weight of it, and his eyes are milky with time. That's a nice nice descriptor. I like that. He's seen through the cataracts, can see beyond James's generic jeans and hoodie to recognize another Chinese man. Can the familiarity be also in their movements something in the way they look at one another is it in the stranger's way of gripping his luggage mirroring james's grasp on the greasy paper bag of vegetable jia li jiao he's promis- he's bringing home for his mother i'm sorry james says i don't speak mandarin here's a liability of his he always wants to help but his ignorance makes him useless to his own kind Not just to this man, but to every lost Mandarin-speaking traveler fumbling in mid-transfer who mistakes him for a helpful guide. James can't tell if this man has understood his English. He shakes his head, then retreats a few steps. But the old man holds up a finger to say, one minute, and reaches into his coat pocket. I can't help you, James says. I... He's interrupted by an announcement for the California Zephyr. The crowd streams around them, everyone hurrying to make the train. Standing stubbornly in place, the old man pulls out a U.S. airmail envelope addressed in Chinese characters from which he extracts a photograph. He and James lean in and study it together. It's a posed color snapshot of a solemn-faced middle-aged man and woman seated with a young girl of about ten, her black hair cut into heavy bangs across her forehead. She grasps a small, muscular beagle on her lap, and the animal gazes balefully, red-eyed, into the flash. James doesn't know why he's being shown this, but as he studies the photo, shaking in the man's hand, he senses that he knows these strangers. He's never met them, but he can tell that they are recently arrived to the U.S. He can recognize the feelings in their mute, level eyes. Defended, skeptical, yet somehow filled with hope. Fa-mi-li, the old man says. Fa-mi-li, Zhang. The crowd is trampled through. He and James are alone now. He points at the photo, then to himself. Zhang Fujian. Family Chow. James says, putting a finger to his chest. Chow. he could never pronounce his given name, Li-Huan, correctly. The old man flips the photo. On the back is written in slightly smeared blue ballpoint an Illinois address. James feels the lightning of relief. The town is near a stop along the Amtrak line is his own stop, Lake Haven. The track is on the upper level. He points across the station to the metal stairs. Follow me, he says. The man's wrinkled face splits into a brilliant smile of fake teeth. I'll just pause here because I, I really wasn't feeling the need to stop. At least not for any problems. Um, so meeting the youngest. After hearing about the eldest in the prologue. And now we're meeting the youngest. And clearly there is that increased disconnect with the youngest child. You know, the newest generation. And we're making a point of how disconnected he is. That he doesn't know his own um, mother tongue, as you could say. Um And, but now here he's being thrust into that kind of situation to at least help someone else out. And I find that interesting, at least that Chang chooses to utilize a stranger, though we have a forecasting here that perhaps it is not quite a stranger. Or could it just be that cultural connection, that racial connection of fellow folks who are new to where they are and are outsiders, but are prepared to find their way. I just, I I do like it's very well paced and I love the balance of action and detail. And we never pause to ponder for very long. I'm even that paragraph where James is contemplating if the old man can really see him. I mean, that's only a few sentences. So, no, overall, I'm really jiving with this. Let's at least try and get another page or two. James adjusts his backpack and duffel. He can do it. He will lead the stranger up out of this dark abyss of bending tunnels to the next stop of his journey. He's singularly moved by the idea of the old man traveling from afar, from the other side of the world, perhaps, to be united with his family, as James himself is traveling to his own family, coming home from college a thousand miles away for Christmas. James makes his way at an intentional pace toward the platform, glancing back at the man who shuffles along several steps behind. They reach the metal staircase. James can see a single light above the uncovered tracks, and beyond this light the violet-grey underside of the evening sky heavy with snow. He nods, gestures toward the stairs, and takes the steps slowly, listening through the noise of the station, the low grumble of an approaching train. There are the old man's footsteps, tentative but determined. Tap, tap, tap. Love sensory details. Awesome. Near the top, he senses a slight reverberation on the steps under his feet. There's no cry, no thud, but he can tell by the sudden absence of the tapping that something is wrong. He turns. The man is lying at the foot of the stairs. It's as if someone picked him up off the steps and flung him down at an unnatural angle. James sees a spreading stain of urine darkening the concrete floor, spreading past his bag, which has flown or been bumped to the side. James hurries back down the stairs. He drops his duffel and bag of jiao li jiao, strips off his backpack. Through his mind runs the drill of CPR class. The first step, call for help. He pulls out his phone, dials 911 and shoves it back into his pocket. The paramedics will track the call. He kneels beside the man. James opens the withered mouth and looks past the gate of dentures, checking the tongue. He unbuttons the rough coat and puts his ear to the man's chest, pressing his cheek against the shirt. No heartbeat. He examines the face. Wrinkles gone now, the bluish skin melted back against the bones. He lays his ear against the man's chest. No pulse. It's absurd that he, of all people, is the one to try and save this man, but no, not absurd. He's not a random stranger. He's a pre-med. He's taken two CPR classes. Though his arms feel weak and rubbery, though he's terrified he knows what he's supposed to do. He positions his hands as he has learned, locks his elbows, closes his eyes, says a silent prayer, and makes the initial push, almost a punch, into the frail rib cage. One, two, three, four, five. He'll try the rescue breaths, make sure to do it right. He gulps air and puts his lips over the old man's mouth. A sweet sour taste like cranberries spreads over his tongue. He struggles for another lungful of air. He's already sweating. He listens for the heartbeat nothing. Will the paramedics come? James looks up. The station is empty now. There's only one person within earshot. A plump man sprinting to catch the next train. James resumes CPR and puts his back into it. Hears, senses exquisitely on agonizing crack. He's learned about this, reminds himself that such a crack is not always a bone breaking, but simply grinding, loosening the chest. Minutes pass with James alternating breathing and pumping. He's tiring, slowing down, His shoulders ache his arms are rigid the man is a shapeless bag of bones and cartilage as lifeless as the plastic and fabric practice mannequin but more uncanny than the mannequin more remote someone's tapping his shoulder he clutches at the body but strong hands pull him away thank you someone says we'll take over now a team of emts moves in with the stretcher james huddles to the side on his hands and knees He can hear the EMTs conversing in quick, confident terms he should remember from his classes, but he can't focus enough to understand. He's unneeded. Someone else is pumping at the body, and he knows that by now they're also probably unneeded. Cold with sweat, sore all over, he stumbles to his feet. The scene, the train station, seems unfamiliar. Snowflakes drift over the stairs, sparkling in the light from the lamp above. I guess I'll stop there, but it's, it's, that's a really interesting way to introduce a character. We have here the, uh, a teenager really, he's a freshman in college who was, who's lost his connection to his heritage through, you know, loss of language. And in this one moment, this couple of pages, he's kind of summoned back to it. And he's put on the spot to try and help someone get home, help someone stay alive. And in a way, he fails at both. But on the other hand, he was also a final connection to that last home for that old man. And This is a lot for a person, well, of any age to take in. But it would be interesting to see how this moment impacts James in the coming pages, especially since we know, again, there is a death, a family death for him on the horizon. Well, I wish I could attend this Wisconsin Book Festival event where Chang is talking. I don't know. Maybe I can try and sneak in. That would be fun. Anyway, I really dig this and, and maybe you would too, because it sounds like at least what I'm seeing, yes, there's going to be a family drama, but we also have the mystery there too. And with it being a small Wisconsin community, I bet there's going to be some other quirky characters in the mix because that's how Wisconsin goes. Um, so anyway, before my kids invade, allow me to say, read on, share on and write on my friends whether it is a murder mystery like The Family Chow, or it is something else. We'll see what we can cover next week. Cheers!